Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. When you become a member, enter Suburban Folk in the podcast that you heard about them. Today's episode is also presented by Sweat Connected. Sweat Connected is a transformative way to work out. Sweat Connected has a mission to help you feel your best. Each expert instructor brings their signature method directly to you wherever you are in the world via Zoom. When you take a Sweat Connected class, you are able to interact with your instructor and the other participants in the class just like you would in a live studio experience. Whether you have been a group fitness participant for years or are newer, you will feel at home with Sweat Connected. Sweat Connected is exclusively offering our listeners 50% off their first class by going to sweatconnected.com and using the code POD, that's POD, P-O-D, at sweatconnected.com for 50% off your first class. Sweat Connected, for all levels, all ages, all sizes, and all humans. We're also brought to you by Purple Carrot. Purple Carrot is the plant-based subscription meal kit that makes it easy to cook irresistible meals to fuel your body. Each week, choose from an expansive and delicious menu of dinners, lunches, breakfasts, and snacks. Every box is an opportunity to learn and experience something new with easy recipes and fresh pre-proportioned ingredients. No shopping, no food waste. Just globally inspired, restaurant-quality, plant-based meals. Get $30 off your first box by going to purplecarrot.com and entering the code PODGO30 at checkout today. That's PODGO30 and $30 off your first Purple Carrot box. Purple Carrot, the easiest way to eat more plants. And finally, I want to tell you about Ubico. Ubico sets new world standards for simple, secure login, preventing unauthorized access to computers, servers, and internet accounts. The YubiKey from Ubico is a physical security key using two-factor authentication to protect your accounts. As more of us continue to work from home, it is more important than ever to protect your secure information. So what can you do to protect your accounts? Ubico is offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase of $100 or more using the code POD at Ubico.com. That's code POD at Ubico.com. Say hello to YubiKey and goodbye to account takeovers. Health, parenting, finance, travel, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm Greg Rodersheimer, your host. Today we're going to talk about the life of an entrepreneur, but we're also going to see that the mindset of giving and serving others will help you grow not only in your career, but also professionally. My guest is Wayne Veldsman. He is the host of the Journey to Legacy podcast. He's also the president and co-founder of Consulting. He's an accomplished business growth strategist, success coach, and entrepreneur. He specializes in helping entrepreneurial-minded individuals grow their mindsets and their income. Wayne actively works with entrepreneurs and businesses who are looking to take massive action and create drastic change in their lives. Thanks, Wayne, for joining me today. A little background for the audience. I had the pleasure of being on your show, and off-air, I think we really were seeing eye-to-eye in entrepreneur journey compared to a life balance. So I have a feeling that's where we're going to go. And I'm really interested in your unique story. So do you want to go ahead and kick us off with your background in being an entrepreneur and how that's gotten to you to where you are now in your perspectives? 
Definitely. Greg, thanks, man. I'm I'm so excited, honestly. After our interview on my show, you know, we just saw so eye to eye on so many different things. And so uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, be able to share some time with you again. So thanks, man. But uh, yeah, a little bit about my background. So I originally from South Africa. We moved to the United States when I was just about six years old. My parents immigrated me, my two siblings, and of course themselves here. Grew most of my life in Virginia. And, you know, I think a big piece of where I am today comes from sort of that immigrant lifestyle, right? Hard work and determination were just so ingrained into me. You know, my parents both worked multiple jobs, worked nights, you know, did really everything they needed to do to almost create that that quote-unquote American dream. And so that's really where it all started. You know, I went sort of the classic route through school, uh, had tons and tons of part-time jobs, went to college, got a degree in communications, public relations, and brand management. Uh, and actually, while in school, that's when I really started my first entrepreneurial project. That's when I, I say the journey towards entrepreneurship really started. I had the opportunity to uh, launch an online clothing brand. And so we weren't like a brick and mortar shop. We eventually did get into a few brick and mortars, but launched a brand. Uh, I developed the website, started writing blogs, started teaching myself online advertising. And really that's where almost the journey towards where I am now, really specializing in the digital marketing space, really started just started teaching myself everything and anything to try and grow this online clothing brand. Uh, but from there, I had some other projects. Me and a buddy, uh, we sold hoverboards, those little two-wheel hover, self-balancing hoverboards when they were really popular. We, uh, we got a brand for that, sold those for a while. And man, there's been a bunch of projects since then. But where I landed today is I'm now out in Denver, Colorado, specializing in helping small business owners. What I really like to say is helping entrepreneurial-minded individuals to, a lot of times, turn passions into profit, really teaching them how to launch a business in the online space or how to just transition what they're currently doing to online and get more eyeballs in front of their brand and actually more sales, more purchases for whether they're selling a product or a service. So like I said, really, really specializing in more of that coaching, teaching and consulting space than anything else right now. There are so many things that I want to get to in what you just had. So I'm going to pace myself (laughs) Maybe just with the last thing you mentioned with 2020, gosh, what a timely perspective as far as people using their passions and either uh, making it to where it's available to more people via online like you're talking about. And really, for example, I just had a conversation yesterday with a financial advisor and we were comparing people with their day job and what it's very hard for people to change their mindset to think that that is not necessarily as safe as you think it is. And then of course, maybe going to diversifying. Now you were into building your own businesses, doing these things right out of the gate. Do you have any thoughts about 
people's perspective who may be hesitant to go from the quote safety of their day job into some of these other ventures? What a great question. It's interesting because obviously now with COVID, I think that is the easiest example to show people how unsafe they are with their day jobs, right? This crazy thing happened in the world and let's hope it doesn't happen again either ever or for a long, long time. But the point of the matter being is something happened that was outside of your control, but all of a sudden so many thousands and thousands, if not millions of people lost their jobs. They were stranded. They had no income. And thank goodness, you know, some governments, of course, in the U.S. and across the world started providing relief to people. But if that in itself doesn't show you actually how unsafe or or insecure your day-to-day job is, no, there's not much else um, that I can really say that's going to prove it to you. But one thing that I do always recommend to people that are, per your question, sort of Maybe they're on that edge or they're you know, really just even stuck in their corporate job or you know, just working for the man in general. You know, I always recommend to people to simply just start slowly. Just start. You know, I right out of school I had one job. I did door-to-door sales. It was business to business, what I call cold canvassing. Essentially they gave me a zip code and said, go walk into every single business. You'll find out who's inside once you get in there. And I was trying to sell them phone, telephone services, actually. But after that, sort of when I launched into entrepreneurship, you know, I just really hated the job. And so I quit. I actually decided to drive for Uber and Lyft while I was uh, launching a company. And it was such an amazing opportunity, but almost along those same lines. Like I went to Uber and Lyft to be able to give me a little bit of money while I was starting. I recommend to everybody else that's sort of, you know, questioning should I go into entrepreneurship to slowly start while you're in your day job, you know, spend the hours outside of the job, whether it's at night, on the weekends, you know, you have time. I promise you, you have time. So just start using it wisely. Start slowly, start figuring out, you know, what is my passion? Start doing research, read blogs, watch videos, start teaching yourselves the skills necessary, and sort of just get going, right? I think there's some types of people who really do thrive if they jump wholeheartedly into something, meaning quit their job, and then you know they have to succeed in entrepreneurship or they have to succeed in whatever the project is they're doing because you know if they don't, they'll they'll starve, they'll run out of money. But I think for the majority of people, start slow, test the waters, right? Entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. There's a lot more behind the scenes than you expect. Um, So yeah, I think that's sort of the way to go about it is start slow and then end of day, that's really what's going to build security in your life, right? Taking full control, full responsibility so that if something like COVID happens again in the future, right? Nobody's there to fire you. Nobody's there to furlough you. You are in full control over yourself, your business, and your income. That's a good point. And something I was going to mention comparing to your day job 
if you think of it from climbing the corporate ladder, for whatever position you're in, relatively speaking, there is some sort of income ceiling. Now, of course, you could get promoted to the next level and you have that there, but that doesn't exist in the world of creating your own side hustle or business, which I think would be attractive to most people. Another counter to whether or not somebody thinks they're an entrepreneur or not, or if it is for them, I would use myself a little bit as an example that I never really use that term much at all. But then when I started to see the behaviors that I have in getting into different things and creating small little side ventures with it, wow, that really is being an entrepreneur. I just didn't really ever figure out (laughs) that, that that was a specific path. So I think other people may be in that same boat. They may have a personality that fits it. They just haven't defined it in that way. So don't let the definition of the term be the thing that makes you scared to jump and see where it goes. Just to touch on that real quick, you know, the word entrepreneurship, I even, or being an entrepreneur, I still to this day, like, I'm not in love with the term because people made it out to be this huge thing, right? It's like, I don't know why it seems so either daunting or to some people, I got to say, it almost seems embarrassing, this term of entrepreneurship. So yeah, throw that word out the window, right? Think of it more if it's easier for you as a side hustle. Start a side hustle. Just sell something out of the back of your closet and congratulations. Now you're an entrepreneur, right? Now you're starting a side hustle because you're starting to simply just make money for yourself. Uh, I'm theorizing that I wonder if it's Shark Tank that did that to people because you now are equating millionaires, billionaires with what it takes or, or, or that's the only end goal for being an entrepreneur, which to your point is not it at all. But it, I'll use like the world of music. I remember growing up, you never wanted to say, hey, I want to be a rock star. But eh, you know, if somebody could wave a magic wand, that's probably what they were looking for. But if you'd really press them further and say, if you could make a decent living being a musician, would you do that? Well, all those people would probably still say yes. So that maybe is where some of that gap comes in between the two. One other thing I want to go back to, uh, another uh similarity we have is communications. Any theories on, is it communications people that like to dabble in a bunch of stuff or how did you go kind of from that into all the different areas and and start to make your way towards business? You know, during school, during college, being a communication major, people saw it as, at least in my school, uh, it was sort of the easy major to take. It was not, not necessarily taking the easy way out but some people sort of saw it as a joke. But now I'm like so on the side of like, hey, jokes on you. Because the fact of the matter being, if you can talk to someone appropriately, if you can express ideas and convey ideas so that people understand it and people feel comfortable, you can do anything in this world. You can do absolutely anything. Yeah, you know, there's still some positions, some careers that you have to have a certain degree for, right? Doctors have to go a certain certain direction, right? As long as you can instill confidence in someone that you can do a specific job 
And of course, you know, you have to learn the skills, but it doesn't mean you have to have a degree in it. Then, man, you can do anything in the entire world. And so being a communications major, having a communications degree, yeah, I think that does directly translate a lot of times into entrepreneurship, or at least, like you said, you know, sort of dabbling in a lot of different things because we can almost just talk our way into it, or at least we can talk ourselves into thinking it's a good idea. The emphasis on that word talk, I would agree with you that if nothing else from my communications major, having to be able to speak effectively in in certain forums certainly translated into different areas. And especially when you're stretching yourself out of your comfort zone, your example of going door to door is well taken that it takes a special personality to do that for more than like a day. <laughs> I think when you go into these different things, that's part of it. It, it. Of course, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about networking and how that is essential in anything that you're doing. So maybe that is sort of some of that foundation that comes from the communications majors. And I totally agree with you. Yes, I also was looked at like I just took the easy way through college and, and what we're going for, for whatever reason. But actually, let's stick on that topic. What is your perspective on networking and how have you used it in your journey? Networking is everything, guys. Like it's totally, and this is the most cliche thing because everybody says it all the time, but it's totally who you know, not what you know. It's becoming more and more real every day. And I sort of think it's because of the internet. Right? I started off with my introduction talking about my first business being this online clothing company. Right, We were selling clothing that was branded for colleges' colors, but it wasn't using their names or their logos was sort of the idea and the concept. And everything that I did for that company, everything I did for that brand, that business, I learned online. I didn't learn any of it in college. And learn any of it with my communication degree, other than I guess you know being able to read and be, being able to to call people out of the blue and effectively speak to them. Um, and so I learned everything online. But I think that's really what goes to why networking is so important, because if you can meet people that are either in positions that you want to see yourself in in the future, right? They can start to teach you. They can start to mentor you how to get there. Or if you just network enough that you know, you know someone who works at Google and you want to work at Google, guess what? That's going to bring so, so much value and weight to the table when they're looking at applications or when they're interviewing people. You having somebody on the inside that's vouching for you, it's going to mean so much more than an extra internship or an extra experience on that resume. Yes. Having a contact in a company that you are interested in going to, I think most people have now had the experience with the software that's looking for certain keywords and so on. And this guessing game that goes on with what you put in your resume to get by that automated gatekeeper. Well, absolutely. I found the most effective way to get around that is just what you described of contacting a person within that company asking if they know who the hiring manager is or if they know anybody in HR, even before you press apply for that it is absolutely huge. And again, just to also be clear, that shows that 
networking is not just, again, in the world of being an entrepreneur. You almost took network networking just now to a different level than I was thinking, simply because you said if you're applying for a job, you know, even before you hit the apply button, call and talk to the HR manager or say, or simply start asking questions of, hey, who's in charge of this position? You know, this is who I am. Just want to introduce myself. You're almost at that point, and I don't want it to sound negative, but you're almost forcibly networking, which is a huge positive. This is a pretty amazing thing that anybody can do that by simply calling introducing yourself, starting the conversation, that's networking. And that's going to help you to get ahead for whatever it is that job that you just applied for. And so just wanted to point that out. I thought it was super interesting. Again, I think just even from the standpoint of some of the skills we're talking about, even if people are still skeptical about taking that first step, these are skills that will help in your day-to-day career, whatever that happens to be. So it's certainly worth getting over whatever fear you may have in the world of networking and talking to people that you don't know. I think that also transitions well into your journey about DIY, learning those skills that you were talking about, reading, finding information online, emphasis, I'm sure, on how much information is free (laughs) and affordable. Uh, Talk a little bit about what your philosophy has been in amassing skills and then how you turn them around to be an advantage in your work life. It's sort of multidimensional, I have to say, right? And I'll start out with the whole thing around what I've been talking about so far, right? The internet's out there. All the information is out there. First company, read blogs, watched YouTube videos. That's how we did everything. Second project, same thing. Read blogs, watched YouTube videos. Every time I have a question about how do I do something, I Google it. Guys, we're an amazing, amazing time in this world, in the universe, just in humanity, I guess, that all information is at our fingertips. Now, I get so stupid done when I hear someone saying they don't know how to do something or, you know, even something simple like in a, in a software, right? If you're using some sort of program online or if you're using a, a social media, right? No doubt there's people out there that say stuff like, I don't know how to update the cover photo on my Facebook profile. And so it's just blank or it's still the very first one that my kid helped me put up. Well, you know, my next question is, have you Googled it? Have you tried to find that information? Because I was about to say nine times out of 10, it's out there. But like, man, Greg, it's almost like 10 times out of 10. Like that information is already out there unless you're developing something brand new or it's a totally new concept, a new business, a new program that just came out. 10 out of 10 times that information's out there. And so don't be afraid to go searching for it. Just teach yourself. You can learn almost anything and everything out there for free. So definitely, if you have that excuse in your mind of, I don't have the finances necessary to start a company, or I can't afford higher education, don't let that stop you. Start Googling, start asking questions, information's out there. Now, part two, in the beginning, I said sort of my answer is a little multifaceted here, uh, is because I'm a huge, huge, huge believer now in actually buying courses, 
right? Education is so important. Now, I think it's funny because the, the concept of, you know, college and the importance of it, I think, is starting to almost transition away, or at least my opinion is that not everybody needs to go to college. But I am such a huge proponent of education, right? Because it's all out there. But so now, instead of spending countless hours, you know, searching Google, reading blog posts, watching YouTube videos, you know, every time I have a question, you know, it takes a very, very long time, right? Because you go answer one question, you pop back to what you're working on, you, you know, successfully complete that, and you're like, yeah, awesome. And you keep moving, and all of a sudden you have another question. So then again, you got to go searching, you got to start reading, watching until you can answer it, and you go back. It's a really long process. So I'm a huge proponent now of actually buying courses or paying for coaching or mentorship because it can almost fast forward that process. They already know exactly the questions that you're going to be asking, and they know the order that you're going to be asking them in really that order of operations. And so if you can pay to have all the information sort of collected in one spot, uh, it's so worth it. It can really, really fast forward everything for you. So whether it's getting free information out there or whether it's paying for information online, it's all at the tip of our fingers. So never think to yourself that you don't know how to do something and let it stop you because you can always go out and find the information and learn it. The phrase that I use in this realm is the chances of you having a problem that somebody else hasn't already had and solved is pretty slim. Like you said, that goes to that nine out of 10, maybe even 10 out of 10, unless, right, you're trying to build some crazy tech thing that nobody's ever even thought of before in that's probably not where you're wanting to start. Let's just say, <laughs> uh, just just anyway. So it is definitely out there, and I always have to tell myself because I am very cheap. Maybe I'll use the nice word and say frugal. It is a good point that you make about spending a little bit of money at least on classes, things like that. And again, in this world, it's almost would be self defeating not to because chances are a person you're getting that information from is probably self-employed doing the things that you're looking to do. And if you're saying by uh, avoiding paying for it, i.e. it doesn't have value, <laughs> then you're already basically saying that what you're trying to do will inherently not have value. Wow, that's so interesting. That's a big mindset problem that people might have, huh? Uh, yeah, I think absolutely. And again, admittedly, I'm kind of that way. I'm sort of wired to be skeptical of almost any financial transaction. And so I have to be very mindful of it. And I think uh, other people probably are as well. But to your point, you can probably avoid some mistakes that may actually cost you money depending on what you're doing, or you may be buying yourself time in, in not making other mistakes. After I quit that first business to business sales job, right? And I'm, I'm driving for Uber, I'm driving for Lyft. I'm slowly but surely decided I want to launch this online marketing agency. You know, I'm teaching myself everything online as I'm going, I'm starting to learn how to run Facebook and Google ads and, you know, about blogging and SEO and all these technical things. It was taking a long time. Um, and I stumbled upon this ad on Facebook that was essentially about this guy who almost did everything that I was doing. He realized that the digital marketing space was going to be super lucrative. So he taught himself Facebook ads. He taught himself online marketing and sales funnels and, you know, XYZ 
Later, he's buying himself a Jaguar and he's living in a new house in Florida, like all these amazing things. And I was like, wow. And so end of this ad, essentially it, it prompts you to apply to speak with them and potentially work with them. Right. And so I did long story short, you know, I ended up buying the program and it was $5,000. I was just out of college. You think I had $5,000 in the bank? Not a chance. Not a chance. I was in the negatives, thirty, forty thousand dollars. Um, but anyways, I bought this program for five thousand dollars because of this reason, right? The whole question of frugality and what you just said. The reason why I'm telling this story is that maybe there's going to be a mistake you make that's going to cost you money, or what they explained to me was. The term is now escaping my mind, Uh, but essentially it's by not moving fast enough or by moving slower, you're losing money. And the concept is essentially this. If it can take you a year to start making $10,000 a month, right? Sounds pretty great. But if I can fast forward that and only have it take you six months to start making $10,000 a month, Even if I charge you $10,000 for that knowledge, guess what? Now you're going to actually profit $60,000, right? Because it just took you now six months to learn it. And now you're making $10,000 a month. So for the rest of that six months, $10,000, $10,000, $10,000, $10,000, that's $60,000. Versus if you take a year by yourself, that's $60,000 that you missed out on. Because you could have fast forwarded that process and started making that money earlier. And so although you paid $10,000 for the program, right? I hope I'm not confusing anybody with these numbers. But so you paid $10,000 for the program. You learned it six months earlier. So then you actually do profit $50,000 versus taking the full year to learn it yourself. It's $50,000 that you didn't have. And so uh, that's just an interesting concept. And when they sort of told that to me about, hey, yes, you can learn everything yourself online. Yes, the information's out there. But by buying our program, you can fast forward it and start making that money earlier. That's what sold me. And that actually pushed me all the way to where I am today. And so I'm super, super grateful for that salesman who actually helped me to make that decision. Complicating that consideration, so I won't try and do any math with it, but depending on the area that you're focused on, there might also be more money to be gained by getting out of the gate earlier from a competition standpoint or something that is less known, let's say, yeah, years ago when maybe not everybody did have as much visibility to things like Google ads or Facebook algorithms, stuff like that, or just what they should be doing for social media. Well, there's a lot more of those people now. So um, less competition also could potentially equal uh, more revenue. So true. Yeah. Very, very true. It's like uh, what they they call it early movers advantage. Yeah, exactly. So for people that are hearing this conversation and say, still saying, I don't have time for this. And I definitely have said on the show many, many times that when you hear entrepreneur, side gig, all of these things, there are definitely people that are in it that talk about the late nights, the missing out on other activities, things like that. And again, that was our actually off air conversation that 
was very interesting to me and I think fits a lot of discussions that, that we've had on the show. Talk about how your perspective was of grinding right out of school and doing these things. And then ultimately where you're at with coaching and probably going through a lot of these concepts with your clients and has that shifted at all that you can tell people you you don't have to kiss your family goodbye (laughs) when you start one of these kinds of ventures. When I graduated school, right. I went to this job and uh, the sales gig was, it was, it was an absolute killer. Right. It was, we were at the office. I think we I were supposed to get there at 630 in the morning, super early. And we started going through sales trainings and like, you know, team building activities, all this stuff. Then by eight o'clock, we're out the door. Some people are driving like an hour to get to their zip codes, their location, working the entire day. Right. We're hitting like 50, 40 to 50 businesses a day. And so then you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock rolls around. That's when we head back to the office. And the whole mantra was, if you haven't made a sale, don't, don't come back to the office. Stay out until, stay out until you make a sale and then go directly home. And if you didn't make five sales during the week, that was our number. We were literally shooting to make a singular sale a day. Uh, if you didn't make five sales during the week, you had to work Saturday. And same thing, huge, long day Saturday. Man, the grind absolutely sucked. It was terrible. And so then when I left that and I started entrepreneurship, right, I had the classic mentality of most people of, I got to grind 24-7, 365, right? I just came out of this sales position where that's what they taught me, you know, and then everything I was seeing online or on social media was teaching me, hey, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to work all day, every day, do nothing else, spend no time with your friends, no time with your family, don't even consider having hobbies. You know, it was ridiculous. And so I actually launched my podcast right when I launched, like started in entrepreneurship. I was like, this is something easy that I can do. And I named the podcast Work Grind Hustle because had this mentality that I had to work and grind and hustle 24 7 365 to be able to achieve my dreams but guess what guys that's not possible to do we've all heard of burnout and it is a very very real thing right when you're in the beginning of entrepreneurship when you're in the beginning of launching a business should you work a ton yes Are you sometimes going to have to put in late nights because you have a deadline or you told a potential client you would send them a proposal? Yeah, you're going to have to put in some late nights, but it's not sustainable if you try to do it just that work, just that work ethic day in, day out for forever. It's just not going to happen, right? And, And honestly, the biggest thing where this leads to it's a conversation really around happiness. So for everybody out there who's not familiar, Gary V uh, is sort of a lifelong entrepreneur. He owns a big digital marketing agency out of New York City. He works with clients like Coca-Cola and Google and you know IBM, all these Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies. Uh, and it seems that all he does is work. But I say it seems that way. And it seems that he's just preaching 
hustle, 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 work, 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 work. But at the end of day, he's talking about happiness because he gives this example a lot of times. Whereas if you could run a flower shop and you love flowers, right? If you love flowers and you could run this flower shop and make $30,000 a year, $40,000 a year, whatever it is, and you know, your expenses aren't high and you're living comfortably and you're, you know, living life how you want on your own terms and you're happy. That is so much more important than trying to work 24-7, making yourself unhappy to make $300,000 a year. Right? And that's what I started to realize. That's where my mind, uh, my mindset shifted was from trying to, you know, have this theoretical be a billionaire, which, you know, in the back of my mind, I still think of that would be pretty sweet. Uh, but I started realizing I need to shoot for happiness. And so I started getting way more of a balance. You know, I started making sure that I was sleeping eight hours every single night. We'll get into the importance of sleep. But man, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're hurting yourself during the day. But I was sleeping. I was spending time with my family. I got a new gym membership. I actually signed up for a little soccer league in my town. And slowly but surely, as I was doing those things, my business, funny enough, started doing better and better. I think it's because my mentality was doing better and better and better. And so I highly believe that we have to have more of a quote-unquote balance, a work-life balance, you know, I don't know if there is a thing as quote unquote balance because that means, you know, they have to be exactly the same, but you do have to spend time on yourself. You know, you do have to spend time on your happiness, on your mentality, not just working or else you're not going to be able to do the things necessary in your actual work. And so, um, end of story, really, I switched that podcast from being called work grind hustle to being called Journey to Legacy, which is way more about the stories, about the journey, not just working and grinding, hustling every day, because I know there's so much more that goes into it. We've had a number of guests on the show that emphasize a lot of the points that you're making. Here are a couple interesting stats that that I've learned from some other guests. One, around that pursuing fill-in-the-blank amount you think you need to be making and also combined with the, I'm going to be with a company for this long and I'm going to retire at 60, 65. And then there's my retirement. Uh, I was told by our guest that he was able to get a study from Boeing and I'm going to forget the other company, but both were nearly identical that they were figuring out their pension uh, costs. And for the people that actually work till 65, their average life expectancy afterward was 18 months. That's it. And so, of course, his point was, again, do what makes you happy. Uh, and it's not what you think it is, again, working for other people, things like that. And then to your point of uh, the importance of sleep, absolutely. My phrase is always, if whatever you're doing affects your health, that is the pure definition of something not being worth it. And whether it's sleep, like you mentioned, or, or again, yeah, you're, you're eating crazy amounts. Like we're all pretty much working from home now. And it is 
just evil to have this terrible stuff in your pantry that you could just walk right over to, whereas at least in the office, you're limited to whatever you can put in your car, you know, and, and put in the refrigerator for the day. So, you know, you, yeah, you got to stop those things. And then the other point that you're making as far as happiness is concerned and retirement, I, I've definitely heard people say, again, I'm, I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. And whenever he talks about retirement, he definitely mentions if somebody loses purpose and meaning in their life, even if you get to retirement age and you can't do the things that you were doing before, you still need to find something that gives you purpose and meaning. In other words, you're not going to just sit on the couch all the time because I've got the money to do so. That's actually another recipe for potentially failing health because your usefulness just goes out the window, which comes back to what you're saying. Find something that makes you happy. And then I've kind of been hard to convince and I'm still a little bit on the fence about the concept of work-life balance. And then when people will say, oh, there's no such thing because you should sort of basically have the two overlap. I, I think maybe that can be the case um, from the standpoint of having kids and, and that kind of thing is where I would get real defensive about my time with kids in particular and, and what I've got going on. But uh, I think a lot of what you're talking about hits those other concepts that life is short and there are other things to be done. One other point that I'll hit on in your example of getting out and joining a soccer league, something that I realized when I started to reach out for financial coaching and letting people know that that's something that I'm doing is as a now couple year long remote worker, I've kind of gotten disconnected from my local community because I'm only speaking to people that are out there in digital land and it is satisfying. Maybe that's where the worlds can come together that you're able to interact with the people in your community and hey, even be offering them something that if you believe in it can make your community better. I think that is definitely uh, something to be considered. So important. That's something everybody needs to be aware of, right? Because more and more and more, everybody's digital, right? We're talking to people not just in a different state. We're talking to people in different countries all across the world, and so there needs to be a purposeful, you know, focus on still your community and making sure that you touch base with people and they actually help to give back a little bit too. Talk to me a little bit more about uh, coming from South Africa. And I don't know if you mentioned what age you were then. And, and does do you think that informs your perspective compared to somebody that was born and never left America? We moved in 1999 is when uh, we moved to the U.S., and so uh, I was born in, in 93. So ergo facto, some easy math, six years old when we got here. And so I didn't remember a lot about South Africa from when I was so young, right? So growing up in the U.S., you know, funny enough, I think my perspective was essentially almost the same as someone who was born here, right? A big, big differentiating factor uh, for when I was growing up was the work ethic that I saw from my parents, right? I knew obviously that we're first generation immigrants. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily understand that everybody else's parents, you know, didn't work the same way that mine did, or they didn't have multiple jobs or have to work through the night. Um, you know, I didn't understand that for a long time, but that really shifted my perspective really on everything, right? 
of how hard we need to work in man, my parents had such a focus on family. It was craziness. Like, you know, they were doing everything for, you know, of course, somewhat for themselves, but really for their kids, for me and my two siblings. And they were striving for happiness, you know, and I saw them multiple times, you know, literally breaking down in tears because finances were so hard. But after that, you know, it was once again, it was happiness because we were all together, because we were safe, because we had a, a great life here. And so that's a big thing that shifted my perspective overall. But then actually when I was a junior in college, my third year in college, I I got the opportunity to actually go back and live in South Africa for six months. And so I, I decided to take off a semester uh, you know, because of because of networking and connections, was able to find a job in South Africa. Uh, I worked in this amazing advertising agency. They actually had the the penthouse of the skyscraper in the city. Where, uh, yeah, if people don't realize that South Africa is a developed country. There's a bunch of cities, skyscrapers, all that good stuff. But uh, I was in Cape Town, and so it was like the penthouse of the skyscraper it was totally glass the walls on two sides of the office massive place Uh, and one of the walls looked out over the ocean and the other wall looked out over this huge mountain range so it was unbelievable really really amazing time i'm so blessed but the reason why i sort of say this that i you know spent these six months there is because i started meeting people right i started meeting people my own age, talking to them. And then it's really when it hit me, this crazy advantage that I have being in the U.S. or this crazy opportunity that I've had for most of my life being in the U.S. Because when I met people and I told them where I was from, their eyes, so many of them, would almost just, I don't want to say they would glass over because that's not the right word. They would like widen. And they would look at me with sheer like awe and jealousy almost. And they'd be like, oh my God, like you're from America? What is it like? And it was just this, this thing that, you know, we had so much more opportunity here. And that's what started making me realize actually, wow, like I need to be so much more thankful for what I have. I need to be so much more grateful for how I've grown up and still growing up and where I live because everybody doesn't have those opportunities. Right when I was born there through six years old, I didn't really learn that much of it. Learned a lot from my parents' mentality and from who they are. Uh, But then really, you know, those six months that I spent, that's what made me realize the big difference that other third world countries or just developing countries they don't really experience compared to people here in the U.S. I think that is a, an excellent sentiment and hopefully should help develop somebody's overall perspective. Looping this back to problem solving, in the grand scheme, figuring out how to best put your social media together compared to people that have, well, frankly, real problems, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, should make you feel okay about what you're having to solve in a particular day. I suggest that everybody, you know, definitely get a get abroad, 
go visit other cultures, see what's going on, because it's going to give you a perspective that you've never had before in your entire life, right? Even like I said, being born in another country, I didn't even really have that perspective until I spent some time as an adult in, a, in another country. And so I think that's a super important thing so that people can start to realize, you know, maybe my problems aren't actually that bad. Totally agree. I try to emphasize that on the show, especially when we have travel episodes that I think it is so worthwhile, so worth the cost compared to amassing stuff and that whole sort of consumer driven, et cetera, et cetera. Well, before we end, do you want to go ahead and give folks uh, contact information where they can find you on social media, any events, promotions you'd also like to let people know about? As far as for people wanting to reach out, I am everywhere and anywhere you might go looking for me. So Wayne Veldesman, V-E-L-D as in David, S-M-A-N. Check me out. Pop me into Google. Um, I'm all over the place. Please feel free to reach out. Uh, Facebook and LinkedIn are where I'm most uh, prevalent, where I spend most of my time, where I put most of my content out. But honestly, I said, if you just Google me, should find it pretty easily, no doubt about it. And then uh, if anybody wants to sort of get involved, a great, great way, other than just simply reaching out, right? Start networking, start connecting. I highly, highly ask people to ask me questions, just to reach out, shoot a message. Never be afraid to reach out to another human being, right? Because end of day, we are all humans. So other than reaching out, I'm launching a new coaching program, and it's going to be super, super reasonably priced. Uh, it hasn't launched yet. I'm actually working with another business coach to decide exactly the pricing, but it's either going to be five bucks or 10 bucks a month focused all around business and personal growth. And so you guys can find that either by going to wayneveldman.com or vel.consulting. That is my firm. And uh, so either of those places, you'll be able to find the coaching program. And so if you guys need help with growing a business online or growing your mentality so you can live a life of happiness and fulfillment, that's what I'm here for. So never hesitate to reach out. Perfect. And of course, I'll put all of those links into the show notes to make it easy for folks to find you. Again, Wayne, I really appreciate you taking the time today. We'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Greg. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or all other major podcasting applications to be notified of our latest episode. You can also join our conversation at SuburbanFolk.com or any social media site, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the handle SuburbanFolk. Thanks for listening.